0: The path of the witch is so unique. The, the gift of witchcraft. I was able to see,
1: hear, and communicate with spirits. It's a very personal relationship between a person and spirit. Colonel lust. and things like Working that. Working with different energies and spirits and communicating. Creating magic. Powerful yeah. ritual.
2: And... <laughs> that's that's She's, She's actually
0: sitting in the The cauldron. role of the witch is to make change. Years ago, three young friends realized they were witches. They scattered to different parts of the world following magic and spirit. Now they're back in their hometown
2: to share what they've learned. Welcome to That Witch Life Podcast, your home for living as a witch in today's world. Welcome everybody to another episode of That Witch Life. Uh, I am Kanani. I will be hosting the show today, and I am here with my fellow co-host, Courtney. Hello, everybody. And Hillary. Hello. And later, we are going to be joined by Jessica Mason of the Mary Sue, who will be joining us to discuss witches in pop culture. And Courtney is going to be discussing what she thinks is the best (laughs) holiday music for witches.
1: (laughs) I'm really glad you added that in because I'm like, maybe all of us don't think that.
2: Right? (laughs) What she thinks is the best holiday music for witches. (laughs) So,
1: are we going to end up in a fight over holiday music on this episode? We no, might, because
2: I'm the one that loves everything about this holiday more than anyone else in the whole entire world. So I, <laughs> I essentially get to win. I, so I really, am- you two can fight amongst yourselves if you wish, but oh my god, I, I am, I am the uh,
1: you're like Queen Yule. So I, like- am,
2: I am queen of all holidays. I love them <laughs> all equally and without abandon. I have accused Kanani in the past of you only became a witch
0: because you wanted to decorate for solstice because it wasn't enough for you to decorate for Christmas and New Year's. You're like, ooh, another holiday. Ooh, actually, there's eight holidays on the wheel of the year. I could just decorate all the time. Absolutely. That's where it's all coming from. You're like, I'm not even arguing
1: that. That's the truth. (laughs) 100% True.
0: Well, so this is why you should be grateful that I'm adding things to that you can listen to for your Yule music because I've got some suggestions that I'm like, "Oh my God, this is totally a Kanani album. Oh my God, this is totally a Hillary album." So yes, I'm just adding, I'm not like stamping on your need to play Mariah Carey Christmas 24/ 7 in your
2: house.
1: I really want to know what you think is a Hillary album because
2: Oh, I've got I'm one. Curious. For you. There was one of the five albums you posted that I liked. So I'm curious if that was mine.
0: I maybe. I maybe I'll, I'll be honest, I do have a soft spot for Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas. I love that you. Song. That, as soon as I hear that fucking xylophone, I'm like, oh, I'm excited. It's like, so, I love that Oh, yeah, song. it's
1: good. It's a good song. It's a
0: great song. I, actually, that whole album is good. And that's where when some people like, um, I mean, I think people get tired of it because they've overplayed it so much, but she really she was the one who first brought back Oh, Holy Night from like being in the choir to being something people play on the radio
2: because her I version think, of it I that think song, that's one of those songs that gets so overplayed that when it starts the holidays, it just jacks you up and you're super excited. But by Christmas, you're like, <sighs> but then the next Christmas, you hear it for the first time and you're like, ah! which one do you mean? Oh, Holy Night or All I Want for Christmas? No, All I Want for Christmas.
0: Oh, okay. Well, here's something interesting about Oh, Holy Night it is actually there is actually a very heavy political message in that. Also, well, also human rights message in it. Chains shall he break for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall, shall cease. Because one day I was I'm a lyrics junkie. I love lyrics, and I was listening, and I went, "Wait, that, when is, was that the, is not
1: that is not surprising."
0: Yeah, and I was like, "Wait, I don't is even sing written? the right words." Yeah, but no, let me finish. When, what was? Um, I went and looked it up, and it was written like. In English, it was—I think it was originally a German or French song, but it was then it was written in English in like the 1850s. So it was an emancipation hymn, where that was like they put it out as as a statement against slavery in the United States. So it That's has a very, awesome. Yeah, it has a very powerful history, and I think that there was actually a lot of people were were angry about the song. They're like, "Why are you putting politics in Christmas music?" And it just goes to show that when people say stuff like that, like, actually, this is a human rights issue, and... Um, yeah, you're you know, like, this isn't you.
1: political, so... This is,
0: this is a human rights issue? Fuck you. It's going in my Christmas song. So, yeah, that's a little bit of history about Oh Holy Night. Um,
1: well, that's, that's fucking cool.
0: And it's funny that I haven't
1: noticed that, because I literally have had to sing that song.
0: Of course you have. You're a soprano. That's like a I soprano. mean,
1: like, so many fucking... Like, I can't even... The amount of times is, is incalculable. Like, it's not, <laughs> it's like that in Ave Maria. Like, it's happened so many times that I don't, I don't even, I don't think I could even begin, begin to count.
2: Yeah. I think I heard, I don't remember if it was the local one here, like just the local one, but I think I've heard that like a lot of, cause a lot of radio stations for like the month of December and, and some of November will start playing Christmas music exclusively. Mm-hmm. and I heard which is one, like
1: that's a lot
2: well the one that, I love it I think it's super fun I don't listen to it all the time but I love that I can turn it on and know that that's what's playing and um, the one that was in town local to Portland they actually because 2020 is such a dumpster fire shit show they're like we're gonna start the Christmas music early and it was actually <laughs> usually I hate that and I am just like no one fucking holiday at a time like I want to love this And then I want to move to the next one. And for whatever reason this year, because it was just such a nightmare, I was like, nope, I'm ready. Like, Halloween's over. Let's move on. I'm ready. We even saw um, – we broke, like, my own rule. We even went and saw the Christmas lights at Zoo Lights this year the day before Thanksgiving, which I usually never – Anything. Actually
1: smart because there's probably – it was probably less busy.
2: Right. But it's like I would usually never do anything Christmas-related until the day after Thanksgiving. Like that is my rule, one holiday at a time. But this, this year I was just like, oh, F it. No, that's fine. Like as as far as I'm concerned, throw up your Christmas tree as soon as Salon's over and let's get to town because we you know just what? all needed something cheerful this year. And I felt like it was I, just- it's, it's- all bets off. Honestly,
0: honestly, Christmas music is my favorite part of this season. I love it, but I'm very picky about my Christmas music. Oh, yeah, and, me too. And very, I'm very stringent. Like, I do not listen to it until the day after Thanksgiving. I actually busted out my Christmas music mid-November because I was like, we need some motherfucking tidings of motherfucking comfort <laughs> and joy. So fuck everybody. We're going to listen to Christmas music. Now, my husband hates it. So I oftentimes listen to it in headphones because that was That's actually part of our. That's fucking
1: wedding. hilarious.
0: <laughs> That's part of our wedding vows. As I said, I will not play cheesy Christmas music in the house unless it is Christmas Day. Um, but we, he did. Uh, he did give me some flexibility last night while we were decorating for Christmas, and we listened to Celtic Woman's A Christmas Carol um, album.
1: Do you like put together a playlist of like top twenty most obnoxious songs to make sure that if you're gonna if 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 you get your moment, you make it extra obnoxious.
0: No, That's because I hate, I hate the obnoxious ones. I love my Christmas I music. Know, I have carefully curated for my witch tackle. Oh my god, i was like, a crap. I love
1: that I like I love that I like make a joke and Courtney's like, no, no, I have a serious <laughs> list. I have a serious <laughs> list of Christ- don't you don't you tell me that not that silly stuff, none of that silly <laughs> Christmas music. Oh my I am pretty damn
0: fucking serious about my Christmas music. <laughs> <laughs> I am there's, there is one song though that makes me want to rage and break things. That Uh-oh, I what hate. song is that? <laughs> Simply Having a Wonderful Christmas Time by Paul McCartney. I hate that song so much. Even when they tried to make it witchy, oh, God. Somebody, somebody posted a meme, they're like, oh, you know what it is? It's like everybody's gathering for a for a, a which is sad because they're like, the moon is up, the sky is blah. You know we're here tonight, and that's enough. And then somebody comes in, and we pretend it's Christmas, and we start singing "Simply Having a Wonderful Christmas Time." Even when oh, they put I that, know that song. now. that's a cute I song. You're wrong. Hate it so much. You can play it at your house. I hate that song. You're that wrong. That is the one
2: Christmas song that I will like. Ah, it's so it's so annoying. I even like I like the one that John Legend remade um, with I think Megan Trainer. And it's the one that people don't like because it's like where she. Uh, I really must go. Oh, baby, it's cold oh, outside. baby, it's cold outside. That one, and he remade it with Megan Trainer, and they made it less uh, serial killerish. <laughs> and I actually love it. I think it's. I think it's adorable. I just. I actually I, do not
0: hate that song. I know why. I understand why people don't like it because it sounds date rapey. But what the thing is is that like you. You're missing a lot of the context of the era because when there's what the big line that makes people upset was when they say when the woman says, hey, what's in this drink? And so it's like it's in most people today, our ears say, oh, he slipped her something, which is back in, I think, in the 20s when this was written. That's what people would say when you did not put enough booze in your drink. So when someone says, "Hey, what's in this drink?" it means give me some more booze. So what she's actually asking for is is to find a reason. A stiffer, to a
1: stiffer drink.
0: I respect that. a stiffer drink. Yeah, so it's like, it's like when you get your mimosa and it's too orange. It's like, what the f is this? I, I hope this does not start a bunch of think pieces. I'm really tired of people talking about the song. I get why it makes people uncomfortable. And I think that there's room to remember that that's not really the intention of the author. It's so whatever, it's fine. If you don't play it on your Christmas list and it's also fine. If you like the Megan Trainor, John legend version, Dolly Parton has one with Rod Stewart and I don't like Rod Stewart.
1: It's really good though. It, the version it's, is well, very good.
0: Right. <laughs> Everything hey, Dolly hey, Parton does is good. Hey Courtney. Yeah. I have
1: a, I have a question for you.
0: Yes. Oh, fuck you. Okay. I hope I hope you get sued for playing this on our podcast. Paul McCartney comes for you. <laughs>
1: here it comes. <laughs>
0: the mood is
3: right. <laughs> the spirit's <laughs> up. We're here tonight. I am. And that's
1: Christmas time you're I'm so excited
0: I'm dancing time. right now
1: <laughs> I'm literally
0: doing off my own hands uh, not. Here. <laughs> wait
3: here comes <laughs> again <time> <laughs>
2: I'm, I'm envisioning I to. Hillary I I'm envisioning to. you and I <laughs> in a boom box outside Courtney's bedroom window <laughs> You know what? My husband will drop. My husband will drop freezing cold those. water
0: on you. He will throw the litter box out the window at you if you do that. Go ahead. I mean,
1: I can one up a boombox. I have some friends that have vans that are like can open up into entire fucking <laughs> yes.
0: shows, like
1: DJ sets. Go ahead.
0: I'll I pull that. You, up. The person, the person, <laughs> like, the person you will have to deal with is my husband, and he is Polish that Italian, out. and I'll be
2: dancing goes. in their front yard.
1: You know what? <laughs> I'll take him, cause because like <laughs> I I will win. I Woo! I feel I feel confident that okay, I
2: can. I almost want this to happen, cause I, and <laughs> I'll look the other way. And you know how you know how, how like, I'm gonna I win? To see a jump on him! I don't know what you're talking about. He's gonna. <laughs> he just texted me <laughs> saying, "Please turn that shit off." <laughs>
1: So, I mean, the thing is is like I will I will win and and the thing and the reason I will win is because I'll be bom- I will be armed with glitter bombs. And so if he thinks oh. he's going to throw some water on me, I'm like, bitch, bring it. Cold water isn't going to do anything, but this glitter that I'm going to bomb into your window will never leave. Like- nice.
2: <laughs> I like it. I like all of it. All the debauchery, all the using glitter as a weapon, I'm down for it.
1: Yeah, he told me once that he was going to steal my last dog and I was like, "I'll bomb your house with glitter." And he's like, "Never mind."
2: <laughs> he was
1: like, "Fine, keep your dog." <laughs> That's Zeus. He's like, "I'm going to steal Zeus." And I was like, "I'm going to bomb your house with glitter-, glitter." And he's like, "I don't care about your dog anymore."
0: <laughs> so, um, can we just go ahead and segue into my list since we're already on the subject?
1: I fucking guess.
0: The questionable list. Okay, so here's the thing Yule music is naturally kind of spooky and is, is super pagan. Um, so, <laughs> but you know, it's gotten a lot, it, ha- it talks a lot about the Christ child. And so it's very Christian in most cases. Um, and so a lot of times witches will try to like reclaim or repaganize. Chris, like Christmas music by like inserting pagan stuff in there, and I don't really. I think it's just annoying when it's like God mess, God rest ye merry, pagan folk. Bob, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, you know what? Let's just not. Um, Wait, someone but, inserted
1: and, that into that song.
0: Yeah, like they bring out no. little printed sheets to. I no. <laughs> just can't. So, like, what all, is
1: wrong with merry gentlemen? Like, that's just like people who are happy.
0: They're just all trying right? to people just. So anyway, I'm like, okay, you know what? Instead of trying to like mess with stuff and make it super corny. There's a few albums that I just absolutely love that I feel are very witchy and very, like, very magical, and um, but still have the spirit of Christmas music that people really like. And the first one I really like is Annie Lennox's A Christmas Cornucopia. So she's really, like, owning the spirit of a good Yuletide wassail song, because, honestly, these wassail songs are basically drinking songs. But this really incredible song at the end of the album is called Universal Child, And it's about, you know, believing in your loved ones and shining light on them at a tough time. And it's on my ugly cry list. When I really need to cry, I listen to this song because it's just wonderful and heartbreaking. So that's certainly one. Um, So both Kanani and Hillary, I think you would both like that one on your, um, your, and also Annie Lennox is just a fucking witch, whether or not she admits it. So it's very, there's a lot of magic in that.
2: That was a big Um, one
0: negative. You you don't like Annie Lennox? I'm fine with Annie Lennox. I did not like that song. Oh, you didn't like the song? Okay, well, listen to the rest of the album. It's pretty fantastic. So I do. I am a big Linux fan, though.
1: I was about to be like, you don't, you got to leave this podcast. You don't like any Linux? Like, get out of here.
0: But you didn't like Universal Child. Okay, well, that's that's fine. I guess we all have our our mistakes and our taste. But if you, um, you know, the rest of the the rest of the album is, is really beautiful. And she's um, the next one I really like. And Hillary, this is one I think you'll be into, is Gregorian's Christmas Chance Envisions the original. It's a flat it's a nice flashback to the 90s when the medieval style influenced pop music and I really don't think it ever should have left. <laughs> Gregorian is like a Gregorian chant group that sings pop music. And they have a bunch of really beautiful um uh, and their their Christmas album Live in Berlin is my favorite and it's one that they're um talking um they they sing a lot of the old carols but then they also throw in some um a couple of like top hits of the 90s or something like that that they sing in gregorian style um including a very sick version of mad world which i think is the best cover of mad world i have ever heard so it's a great one to like stick in the middle of your um christmas dinner <laughs> when it oh little... oh my god history, and suddenly you've got this very haunting um this very haunting tune because this is time of year it can be kind of scary so so, the next one I really feel um, belongs on Kanani's playlist, which is Blackmore's Night Winter Carols. So, this is a pagan band that combines a Renfair sound with um, kind of a, some like a, it's kind of like Renfair meets pop music. It's a really interesting combination. And they have a bunch of beautiful versions of classic carols. Um, and they take some liberties with the religious talk, like, in their cover of Hark the Herald Angels Sing, they sing about, like, instead of Christ has come to Bethlehem, they say peace has come to Bethlehem. So when a lot of times I'm meeting people who are looking for um, non-religious or interfaith, you know, Christmas al- Christmas music, this is an album I, I suggest. That's so, nice. Yeah, and they also have a version of Lord of the Dance, which feels a lot more like Beltane than Yule. So it has a very nice lift during um, really dark, short days. Okay, so... Um, another really big favorite is Lorena McKinnett's A Midwinter Night's Dream. Um, so, I mean, I'm a witch who came of age in the 90s, and Lorena McKinnett is practically what made me a witch, along with the craft. And um, <laughs> yeah. so so she is, like, anything she puts out is going to feel very witchy. And so she sings these very beautiful um, uh, Yuletide, this Yuletide music that has um, a lot of Celtic influences as well as Baltic influences. Um, and my favorite on that is snow. So she's basically singing about winter time and it's hauntingly beautiful. And it just, it's very, very peaceful. Um, so it's a nice way it, it feels, although it's Christmas music, it feels very witchy. And so it's great to put on with your family because they're not going to be like, Oh, this is Christmas music or this is witchy music. You're like, no, this is actually Christmas music. It's just done by a big old witch. Yay. And then, um, so Hillary, that one should be on your list. And this one, I'm an unashamed Tory file, um, so you all need to get over it. Tory Amos's "Midwinter Graces" this one plays in my house almost every day between Thanksgiving and New Year's. And when I was running my coven, I had somebody sing "Winter's Carol," which is one of the tracks on the album at every public um, Yule because it really should be the basic anthem of the winter solstice. It is about the oak and the holly king battling for um, battling for the the hand of the earth goddess. So it's like super, <laughs> it's super witchy. Um, and then there's also one that Hillary, I think this one would be for you. Is uh, medieval babes, mistletoe, and wine. So it's a choral group of all women singing medieval era music, and so they're singing mostly in Latin, and <laughs> a lot of emphasis on drums and flutes. So again, it has this very like medieval witchy feel to it, um, and uh, it's pretty badass. So those are nice albums that I suggest for people that are looking for.
2: Christmas Yule music—that's a little witchier. So the one that I liked was the Gregorian one. Oh, you liked that one? I could sit and listen to that all day. It's beautiful. I it's loved really it. Beautiful. I loved it. It has—you have to remember—I loved I love Evanescence, mm-hmm, so it yes. has that vibe of kind of gothy, melodic, just kind of. I don't it's know. haunting. Yeah, it has a phenomenal haunting vibe, and I could just sit and listen to that happily all day long.
0: Yeah, well, I feel like I feel like Yule music needs to have kind of a haunting quality to it. As remember, this is this is traditionally a scary time of year, so taking some space to honor that, I think is is awesome. Um,
2: but did you listen to Blackmore's Night? I listened to some of it. Like it was fine, but. You know, I I would. I mean, I could listen to it. I wouldn't be like upset like some of the others, where I'd just be like, "No." But
1: (laughs) I love that you're like, I'm not as upset as some of the others.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it didn't hurt my feelings like the others. Yeah. Anyway, so yay! Those are my
0: suggestions for if you want to uh, witchify your Christmas playlist.
2: And I just wanted to throw out something that I haven't told you guys yet, but I think is absolutely hilarious. So I've always celebrated the solstice and Yule and and things like that in addition to Christmas. And this year when we did our spell kits, I've had so much fun with those and everyone seems to really love those, which is awesome. I noticed that on Etsy that a bunch of the sales were coming from my mother. And I'm just like, (laughs) mom, what is happening right now? And she has ordered a bunch of spell kits and has sent them out to friends and family. And apparently they're all gonna get together on the solstice and do it together. Aww. Oh, that's so awesome. And one of them, clearly a younger person, was like, we should videotape ourselves doing this. And my mom was like, I have no idea how, but sure. So I told my mom, <laughs> if they do that, they need to send it to us. Oh my God, please. And I was, so my thought was, is anyone else to order. Anyone else who orders the Yule Winter Solstice spell kits, please, when you do it, you know, send us, you know, your before pictures, your after pictures, during, you know, whatever. We would love, I would love to see people when they're actually using these. I think that would be so much fun. So anyways, I told my mom to stop buying them and to leave them for someone else because holy (laughs) balls.
1: Oh my God, that's but so funny. But I was funny. so
2: excited that she's that the whole intent is that they're all going to do it together. That's,
1: that's really so awesome. Cute. And I
2: thought that was so cool. And, and then she mentioned the video and I was like, oh my gosh, that would be so cool if when people do this, they send it into us and show us like, hey, you know, this is what I did. And I, I just think that would be awesome. So please. It's so funny. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, I did want to let people know I love the idea of people doing these in groups. And so if you end up doing this or even if you're just doing it yourself. Please send us pictures, videos, whatever. I would love to see it because we've had so much fun making these kits and we've got such great feedback from it. I would actually love to see like the pictures of people enjoying them as well. That would be fun.
1: And if you happen to share that to Instagram and, uh, and you tag us, I will make sure that I share it to our stories also so that other people can see
2: stroke our egos,
1: make us feel special.
2: Mm -hmm. We would just like to thank everybody for some reason listening to our podcast and for supporting us. And we just want to mention that for as little as a dollar a month, you can get access to our full Rachel True interview that we had last week, as well as other witchy content. Uh, Higher Levels gets you access to our private Facebook page, quarterly special events and boxes of goodies, including your very own Screaming Goat. If you join at the Kanani Boyfriend, Girlfriend, and Befriend level, Courtney will pull a tarot card for you, and today she's pulling a card for Amanda.
0: Yeah, so Amanda, your tarot card is Judgment. Okay, Judgment is great. It's close to the end of the story of The Fool, um, and... It basically means it is time for the next chapter. This is a really great card to get toward the end of a calendar year because it means that you have a new calling, a new adventure coming. Something is um, something is opening up for you, so it's time to put closure to whatever is whatever it is that you don't want to follow you into 2021, it's time to tell it it's, it's time for, you know, it's time to end it. So, um, really powerful card for that. Whenever I get this card, it's assigned to, it's, it's assigned to be open to messages that are telling you to move forward. Um so be open to new experiences, and new opportunities and um be ready to say goodbye to things that are no longer serving you in your highest good. Um and especially set that set those powerful intentions as we approach the solstice and um the beginning of the new year and good luck to you. Thank you for being Kanani, girlfriend, boyfriend, and friend, not sure of gender and we're never going to
2: assume. Thank you for being a patron, Amanda. That's absolutely awesome. We're so glad you're joining us. There are other ways you can also support our show. If you can't do a monthly donation, you can buy us a coffee or buy That Witch Life merchandise on Etsy. You can also consider becoming an episode sponsor. It's a great way to promote your business to thousands of witches. You can also purchase a shout out to let people know about your virtual event or just send love to your favorite witch. You can find out more on our website at thatwitchlife.com. And I think we're ready for a word from our sponsors. Yes, indeed. With us all staying at home as much as possible and practicing distance learning, now is a good time to take your magical classes online. We are delighted to have Sacred Mists Academy of Magical Arts and Sciences as an episode sponsor. Since 2002, Sacred Mists Academy has offered comprehensive online magical training programs with working witches around the world, including first through third degree Wicca training, with an elder program available for initiates of the Sacred Mists Other programs include historical paganism, herbalist certifications, spell crafting classes, tarot courses, Reiki training, and more. Online learning is very helpful for moms whose schedules can be incredibly hectic, and it allows you the freedom to learn in your own time. It can also be a great platform to meet other witchy mamas who are excited to learn about the same topics as you. Students also have access to the Sacred Mist Circle, a completely private, student-only social media platform, not Facebook, with profile pages, discussion boards, groups, blogs, a searchable book of shadows, videos, music, and more. Other Sacred Mist Academy social groups include witchcrafting, if you're interested in creating your own tools, a divination group to discuss decks and share readings, Empath groups to explore this gift and learn about shielding, healing, kitchen witchcraft, and more. Join the Sacred Mists live chats for rituals, sabbats, espets, healing, live divination readings, study halls, and social gatherings for and by students. To enroll, go to sacredmistsacademy.com and enter Witch Life during registration to receive free enrollment, a savings of $30. Monthly tuition then depends on which course or courses you take. Limit one per student available until December 31st, 2020. Manifest the change you want to see in yourself and the world around you through Sacred Mists Academy. Now, we know you're already
0: in love with Sacred Mists because of the Academy. Guess what? Sacred Mists also has a shop offering over 1,000 witchcraft tools, supplies, and gifts, including crystals and gemstones, incense and candles, hand-rolled beeswax spell candles, and other spell supplies. This is literally a one-stop shop for witchcraft supplies, y'all. Sacred Miss Shop also offers over 75 plant seeds specifically curated for the witch's garden, including healing and magical herbs, flowers, and plant seeds, just a few of which include belladonna, mandrake, sweetgrass, moonflower, patchouli, elderberry, and mugwort, and many more. Their divination tools include tarot and oracle decks and a gorgeous natural polished black obsidian scrying mirror with ornate antiqued brass stand available in two sizes. Sacred Mist Shop offers everything you need to set up your magical space, including wands, athames, hand-carved gemstone runes, and wooden rune sets, god and goddess statuary, and more. They have some absolutely beautiful, unique goddess statues that you don't see in every store to better make your own ritual space unique to you. There's even a fully stocked chest of witchcraft supplies, which include all the basics, the perfect gift for your favorite witchlet who's just starting out or just to treat yourself. Come on, you deserve it. Plus, Sacred Mist Shop offers a wide variety of jewelry and books. Purchases at Sacred Mist Shop help support the education and training programs offered at Sacred Mist Academy. To get 10% off your purchase of $35 or more, go to sacredmists.com and use code WITCHLIFE at checkout. Offer available until December 31st, 2020. Sacred Mist Shop, offering unique and handcrafted witchcraft and Wicca supplies to the pagan community since 2002. Thank you to Sacred Mist Shop and Sacred Mist Academy for being an episode sponsor. So I made a huge mistake the other day. We got a box of teas from the Jasmine Pearl Tea Company and I thought I was being nice by sharing them with Hillary... But now I wish I'd kept the whole thing to myself because y'all, this tea is incredible. It is so good that I told my husband not to make me coffee because I would rather have a cup of Lapsang shushong tea for myself.
1: I mean, I'm an opera singer who used to live in England, so basically tea is life in my mind. And let me tell you, these teas are so good. The Burnside Chai really gets me going in the morning, and that Aria blend soothes my throat after long days of singing and recording the podcast with this maniac.
0: So one of the things I love about the Jasmine Pearl Tea Company is that they are a family-owned business. They were started by proprietor Heather Acosta and her husband Chuck, Everything is hand-blended by their small team in Northeast Portland.
1: Jasmine Pearl's tea blending philosophy is based on a using excellent quality ingredients, most of them organic, and building blends around good teas versus using mediocre ingredients and dumping a bunch of flavoring in them.
0: I was always someone who liked tea well enough, but I wouldn't ever call myself a tea drinker. But... Jasmine Pearl Tea Company has totally made me into a tea drinker. I have been waking up to their black teas in the morning, especially when we're doing our super early recordings, and I've been enjoying their herbal teas in the afternoon while I'm trying to edit this thing. Their vanilla rose tea is like silk in a cup. Oh my God, it is so good.
1: To be honest, Kanani and Courtney are probably sick of hearing me talk about these teas, but honestly, there are so many incredible tea options that there really is something there for everyone, including the tea snobs among us like myself. They offer free shipping on orders of $25 or more. Check them out at thejasminepearl.com and let them know you heard Courtney and Hillary gush all about them on That Witch Life Podcast. Thank you to the Jasmine Pearl for being an episode sponsor.
2: We are super excited today to welcome Jessica Mason, an assistant editor at The Mary Sue, a website where intersectional feminism meets the geek world. There, she covers everything from paganism to politics and pop culture every day. Prior to her work as a writer, Jessica studied opera in undergrad, then graduated from Lewis and Clark School of Law in Portland to practice family law before turning back to a creative career. Jessica's work focuses on fandom, queer representation, and women, especially witchy ones, in pop culture. She has appeared on panels at conventions like Geek Girl Con, Emerald City Comic Con, and Rose City Comic Con, and interviewed actors and creators, covered red carpets, and visited sets from shows like Supernatural, Sabrina, The Arrowverse, and more. Her writing on Supernatural was recently published in the anthology... There will be peace when you are done. Actors and fans celebrate the legacy of Supernatural. Welcome Jessica.
3: Hi. Oh wow, that sounds so impressive. Impressive. It is
2: impressive. It is very impressive.
3: I was like, is oh, impressive. Yeah, I remember when I went to go got to go like visit sets and go to cons and do stuff. It was so fun.
2: It Back was a in the days
1: the, in the times when we saw people in still, the before times. In the before yeah. times. You know how
0: <laughs> weird it is when like watching Watching um, like talk shows. Like my husband and I watch Bill Maher on the weekends. We hate him, but we love his guests. And we're watching like some flashback episodes he had where he was sitting what now looks like to be obscenely close to his guests. Like it almost looks creepy. And sitting two feet away from someone was not weird a year ago, guys. Now it's like- are you sleeping
1: together? What's your deal? I get freaked out every time I'm like watching TV and I'm like, they're in a room. They're people in a
2: room together. They don't no have any masks on. They're, they're not wearing any can. masks. I get this like, thing. I'm just like, this doesn't, I don't, did, maybe they filmed this before like COVID. Like, I immediately, like, that's the first thing I, I notice is when people are standing close to each other, if they're inside <laughs> and not wearing a mask. And I'm like, wow, how things have changed.
1: Yeah, I can remember.
0: I I remember distinctly the last time I shook somebody's hand. It was in the first week of April and it was by accident because we were having work done on the house and the guy came in and we shook hands and right away we kind of paused like, I don't think we're supposed to do this anymore.
1: Yes. I did the same thing with a vendor at my last work. Like we, like I was masked and everything. Like we were, we had masks on and stuff, but it was, and it was like, it was, yeah, I was in like April or May and I went to let him in to do work on the building. And I like, I reached out and shook his hand and then I stopped
3: and I was like, Oh God, I'm sorry. (laughs) And then I was like, (laughs) I was like, what is this? I just remember I had a, like a shopping Christmas anxiety dream as I usually do around this time of year and I was in the mall and then I'm like why is no one wearing a mask in my dream and so it turned into oh. a COVID anxiety dream which is just great but then I found a Starbucks but it was whiskey so that made the dream much better. Ooh, you yeah, see, be careful that, with that. I could yeah. have been a fairy
0: trap you have to be very careful with the Starbucks that actually pours whiskey in the dream world. I mean Morgan Daimler would warn you against that. I'll fall for that every time.
2: You can yeah, warn whiskey. me a hundred times. It's, it's not going to stop a thing. You offer me coffee oh, yeah. in my dream, I'm down. No, but they were offering whiskey.
1: You don't drink whiskey. That's true. I love whiskey. I would fall for that trap.
2: Yeah, me too. I'd be gone. I'd be like, well, it was a nice life <laughs> that I had. <laughs> so, Jessica, we always start off by asking our guests uh, one question, and that is, how did you know you were a witch or a magical person?
3: Well, it sort of really ties into what I do because I'm, I write about pop culture and that's my thing right now. And I wanted to be a witch at first because of the movies I watched as a kid. I saw the wizard of Oz when I oh. was like three and it was, my parents had this cool new thing called a VCR <laughs> and we mm. record. <laughs> and so the first video we ever rented was the wizard of Oz and so I remember be, just falling in love with the Wicked Witch and Glinda, and I didn't want to be Dorothy necessarily. I wanted to be the Wicked Witch. <laughs> and then we got Sleepy Beauty, and I wanted to be Maleficent. Yes! And I would run around the house with the cordless telephone saying, and all the powers of hell! <laughs> and so, Oh I my was, god, I love it, I love it, I love it. And I was just sort of that weird kid who identified with the witches and the villains, and then in like fourth grade, someone at my school had a Scott Cunningham book. And this was a little bit before The Craft or anything, of any of those movies came out. But it was just this like light bulb, like, oh, I've always known magic was real because of all these characters I was wanted to be. Now I can really make it real. And I've been in The Craft and in magic and witchcraft ever since. And so it's really been like my pop culture
2: journey has always been part of my magical journey as well. That's actually really fun. And I think that that's true that, you know, a lot of times when we talk to people, you know, there's, there's different things that kind of, you know, sometimes people have some sort of an intuitive feeling that brings them into the craft. Sometimes people find a book, Scott Cunningham is super common for people you mentioned as, as they found this book and that's what got them in. You know, other people mention, you know, the craft or movies, things like that. So I think that that's very true that, you know, pop culture in and of itself can be a kind of way of finding the craft.
3: Yeah. And like that's sort of like the thesis of uh, I've got a podcast I started a month or two ago as well. Like the idea is that like the magic of movies is not like an accurate portrayal. Of magic ever but it makes us believe in magic and that's just as important as you know knowing your herbs or your crystals is having that faith in magic and in yourself and that's what the movies definitely teach us
2: i i definitely agree with that who just out of curiosity who would you say that your favorite and least favorite witch would be in pop culture
3: I'll have to do my, my my favorite first because, I mean, it's got to be, it's all the redheaded witches for me because yeah, I right am a redhead. Like, my thesis is that all the best witches are redheads. So, like, um, Winifred from Hocus oh, Pocus, I'm obsessed with, and Rowena from Supernatural, uh, who I love so much, and, I mean, also Samantha, and but more, more so than Samantha, it was Indora from Bewitched because she took no shit and no shit what she wanted and she also was fabulous and she kind of reminded me of my grandma (laughs) and so like those would be like my i would say my top three but then there's so many others like i think elsa from frozen is a is a witch and so she's really important who would be my least favorite though oh no oh no i mean tread carefully (laughs)
0: <laughs> i'm sitting back with my popcorn going this is about to get good i just
3: poured a cup of tea here we go Well, oh, it's like i love the show the chilling adventures of sabrina great great show i think sabrina herself is really really annoying <laughs> and I feel like one? the whole show is just okay. the new one on netflix and so i do want to murder her watching the show most of the time so that's a pretty
2: Oh, I would say maybe Anne Hathaway in the new Witches movie was really, really, really bad. You know what? I haven't seen that one. We've talked about that one. I just realized that when you mentioned that, that was on the list of movies I need to watch, and I have not seen the new one yet. I saw the old one.
3: Uh, Yeah, I did a review of it, and I did an episode on it. It's, It's not good. It's just, it does not justify its existence at all. It has none of the, like, because the original The Witches with Angelica Houston is amazing and it's terrifying. It's a yes. horror movie for children. Yes. And this one like, has no energy. It's all CGI flubber. Oh, I hate it. And there's stuff there. They're trying to do something maybe with like race that could be very interesting because the lead boy and his grandmother are both black and the witches are mainly white, but they never follow that through. And then it's just like, why did you make this movie other than a cash grab and to let Anne Hathaway just choose scenery alone in a blue screen it's just not good
2: see this is why you and I are going to be best friends we're just going to sit somewhere and just shit on things together and it is going to be so much fun (laughs) I am so down for this
1: and then when you're really bored of Kanani we're going to come and geek out over opera so it's perfect
2: oh yes
3: Maybe we she'll talk hang about out with how, me sometime, too. Well, okay. Nope. I'll talk about all your wonderful books, Courtney. Yay! I have, I'm literally sitting next to your book on Bridget right now. Oh. See?
0: Somebody has read my book, Can I Well, then you can talk to Wait. her.
3: That's fine. Wait.
1: Real real talk. How much did Courtney pay to right? say that? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not allowed to disclose That's my right.
2: That's right. There it is. There it is. It was pretty reasonable. She wasn't a tough sell. You, you cut her a good deal? Oh, Yeah. So I have to admit, I have never watched, this is, people are people are going to go crazy. I have never watched, and if you named others, I could probably say I haven't watched those either, Supernatural. Oh, so right. I've so never right. watched uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the show. I, of course, loved the movie, which is on my DVR right now because it has Luke Perry in it, so I will watch it as many times as I damn well please. and there was another one. I have seen episodes of the original Sabrina with Melissa Joan Hart. um, And, but I didn't watch them when they were new, like when they were current, I've watched them in the past and I'll actually tell you a really funny story of why I started watching them. Melissa Joan Hart, I saw her in an interview. This was way past her Sabrina days. So she was a mom And, um, well, I don't know if she was a mom by then, but she was a grown ass woman. And she was talking about how one time she was in an airport and, uh, like Jessica Simpson or someone else had gone through the airport and, and paparazzi is just coming at her and attacking her and can't get enough photos. And here's Melissa Joan Hart, right. Who in and of herself was her own celebrity. And she was talking about how, uh, her bag got flagged for some reason and inside her bag was a vibrator. And, oh no! Oh, go and good so job. I so here she is, like, and she's like, "Oh, this is terrible. I'm a celebrity. I'm I have a vibrator in my bag. They're going to find my vibrator." And of course, you know, they went through it, and they I can't remember if she said they found it or they didn't find it, but nothing ever came of it, and she was pissed. She's like, I'm famous too, (laughs) goddammit. Why does no one care that I have a vibrator in the airport? And I fell in love with her in that moment. And I decided she's fabulous and I need to watch her shit. And so I actually went back and started watching episodes of Sabrina just from that story because I liked her so much as a person that I was like, okay, now I need to watch the things that she's in. So... It's so, it's so you because it's like, oh, I don't
0: want the attention. I don't want the attention. Wait, I'm not getting the attention? Fuck you, people. Exactly. That's so
2: kind. Right? And so it was, so anyways, that, that actually, that story I heard of hers, which I found fabulous, was actually the reason I went back and started watching episodes of Sabrina, which I actually thought were quite cute. Oh yeah, they're really cute.
3: And I like, I mean, Sabrina, both the new one and the old one, and also Bewitched kind of have the same... DNA where like witches are kind of another species and the most interesting characters is not the lead blonde woman. It's everyone around them in the world.
2: Absolutely. Uh, that's one of the ways they kind of, I think get away with using the magic is because they do kind of make them otherworldly characters. Um, and so, you know, the ultra conservatives can be like, what people can't do that. Regular people can't do that. And it's like, well, no, they're magical people. Yeah. Like, like, I have
3: this whole, like, unified theory of pop culture witches, where it's like there are the Samanthas, which are witches who are, like, another species, or, like, basically their own supernatural creatures. And then there are, like, witches like the Sanderson sisters who get their magic from the devil. And that's a whole other oh, kettle yeah. of fish there. And then there are Sarahs, which is, like, the craft, who witches who actually have... Magic, they learn it the way we right. do through just studying witchcraft. And those are by far the rarest form of witches you see.
1: Yeah, it's super uncommon,
3: right? Or, or, yeah, you. I mean, there's the craft.
2: And I can't think... I mean, maybe Willow
3: from Buffy kind of... I was actually going to ask mold. that because
2: I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That was actually a question I had was, was the, were there witches in that show?
3: Yeah, Willow was um, another redheaded witch and she you know learned magic and became very powerful as the show went on but also on that show it got really kind of icky because magic in the show became a metaphor for like drug use oh lovely and this this whole <laughs> this whole plot in season 6 which is like kind of the dark era of buffy <laughs> It's about how like Willow was addicted to magic and couldn't stop using it. I remember she, like, that. I remember and that. And then she like became the ultimate like evil at the end of the season and like killed people. And I was like, are you saying that like this is your metaphor for drug or substance addiction is that you're going to murder people? But then in the se- in the season after that, like she had to deal with her magic cuz she couldn't get rid of it. So I'm like, okay, are you saying that addicts can never fully recover I don't know what they were trying to say it was a weird two seasons of Buffy Interesting
1: You're like you went you went a little off the rails there I'm not sure The
2: other you. one the other the one probably most witchy I mean which is purely a witchy show that I that I did watch but I didn't also watch when it was current was charmed I've since now oh, yeah. watched every season like 3 times on you know each each episode three times because they just keep repeating it and I just keep watching them over and over and over again. But um, that's actually one that I actually kind of enjoy because I think that, I mean, although it's completely not, you know, real to anything or or use any of the same rules or any of that kind of stuff, for some reason I kind of like it because it's like it's, it's close enough to be fun, but I also think that I like the concept, kind of what you talked about, that the people around them are normal, and they kind of, I, I, I don't know, for some reason that one doesn't get my goat the way that, that some of the others have, because, and also it doesn't talk, their their witchcraft comes from their their heritage and their genealogy, as opposed to, you know, like you said, they signed a book with the devil, like, I I can't handle that stuff, it just... I have to gloss over that with Hocus Pocus because I love Hocus Pocus. So I just have to kind of pretend like that's not happening. But um, I like the whole concept in their story that it's kind of, it's a genealogy thing. Like they were born into this.
3: I I loved the OG Charmed. And I guess I I could, like you, I've watched it a thousand times because it was like, would be on when I was working out or. It's just always it's just always on, yeah. Supernatural is now. I know it's funny, but
0: that's where I saw most of my episodes of Charmed was when I was at the gym early in the morning. Exactly, be on the TV with a bad closed captioning,
3: so bad. Yeah, and so like I love like how like comic booky Charmed becomes, and how campy and silly it becomes in later seasons. Like I'm down for that.
2: I I like the nonsense. I like the silly. I, I, you know, I'm completely dead inside. So I like things that are floofy and ridiculous and over the top in their kind of sweetness. It's like that, that's, that's my jam. I have to get it outside of the world because it doesn't exist in myself. So bring on <laughs> your rom-com, bring on the campy. Like that's my jam. Yeah. I have to like work to get, um, caught back up with the
3: new Charmed because I've watched a few episodes and I like the idea of it and I like Charmed. I just fell behind because I have to watch so many shows for work. So I'm going to try and cover that one more because it's important because that one also has a queer lead and it has three BIPOC leads and so I think it's important to support shows like that. So I'm excited to try and Get back on that one, and hopefully it's it's still good.
2: Are there what? I guess what's kind of because I'm terrible about. I don't I don't follow up with like I said. I'm always like ten years behind on sitcoms. I'm I I find it after everyone else has watched it and is over it. At, at, le- it. at least. At
1: least
0: 10 years. So,
2: like what is it's a bit of rebellion because if everybody likes it, Kanani wants nothing to do with it. It's true, it's true. And if I'm being honest, it's totally the reason I did not watch Supernatural is because I was a huge Gilmore girls fan. And I was Team Jess, not Team Dean. And Dean is the lead character the actor who played Dean was the lead character in Supernatural. And I was like, No, it's not happening.
3: (laughs) But his brother and his brother's is named Dean, and it's really confusing. Is he really? Oh, that would have that would have ruined my world. Well, it's so funny because like on Supernatural is about Sam and Dean, and so Jared Padalecki, who was Dean on The Gilmore Girls, plays Sam on Supernatural. And when they first started the show, you know, they didn't know the actor's name. So they'd just be like, Dean, get over here. And the two actors would just smash oh into gosh, each other. Cause they did. They were but yeah, see, I went the other way around where I watched Gilmore girls after watching Supernatural and Jared Padalecki comes in there and goes, hi, I'm Dean. I'm like, no, that's, you're not.
2: Right. Yeah. And that's, that's part of it too. <laughs> you like, you're want a character for something. It really is true. It's hard to see them as something else. Yeah. And that's
0: why I really struggled at the beginning with Game of Thrones when when Sean Bean was suddenly the protagonist, I'm like, look, you tried to sell out Frodo, motherfucker. I cannot root for you. So it took me a while.
3: <laughs> Just the presence of Sean Bean in a show or movie is now a spoiler because he always dies. <laughs> and so you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. Poor Sean Bean. He's going to die. And I guess okay. the script, he goes, again. Okay. All right. All right. So-, so he doesn't die in Jupiter Ascending, which is very a nice. Was that, un- that- was that unnerving and unsettling when he didn't die? In that, that whole
2: movie is unnerving and unsettling. So Hey, I'm looking up right now no. who Sean Bean
3: is. You Boromir, and Ed- Edward Ed- Ed- Stark. He got his head chopped off at the end of first season of Game of Thrones. Spoiler yeah. alert! Sorry, everybody. He's just been a bad guy in so many different is- movies.
2: And he's great. Oh, this must be. Is that like a Frodo thing? <laughs> it's not a Frodo thing. God <laughs> yeah, damn it. He- <laughs> This is hilarious. So the article I pulled up. I know. I'm like, you need to seriously. The article I pulled up. We said, done... Sean Bean characters have been killed so much. He now rejects roles where he dies. <laughs> <laughs> that is the article that I just put. I just.
0: Oh my God. <laughs> it's like Peter Dinklage. He's, he's like, listen, I know, I know that I'm a dwarf and I will not play a magical character. And so, and then Sean means like, I know how you feel, man. I won't play anything where my head gets chopped off. And I'm sure Peter's like, not quite the same, but okay. So even he <laughs> realized
2: that he was a spoiler alert at that point. He was like, okay, you know yeah. what? My presence is not helping.
3: <laughs> that is too funny. Uh, oh, Lord of the Rings. I'm so excited. There's a new Lord of the Rings series coming out on Amazon in the next year or so. And it's like set way, way before the events of the, Tolkien, of like the books and the, yeah. uh, the Peter Jackson movies. Yeah. So I'm really, really excited about that on like a nerd level.
0: Yeah, give us, a give us a scoop on that because my husband and I were like, I don't know, they're trying to remake Lord of the Rings. And I said, well, if they're doing the Similarian, which I know I'm pronouncing wrong and Tolkien geeks are out for my head now, I'm really sorry. But I know that it's like, that. I, so it is definitely the prequel to the Lord of the Rings trilogy that we, most of us know.
3: Yeah, it's set in, like, this is getting, you know, really nerdy, but it's set in the Second Age of Middle-Earth, which is before the Rings of Power were forged. Oh. And I think it's basically, like, about how the Rings were forged. And, like, the uh, if you remember from Lord of the Rings, Aragorn and the kings of Gondor are descended from the blood of Numenor, which is, like, Tolkien's version of Atlantis. It was this beautiful island full of people who are very advanced and who lived a long time but Sauron in his like very hot deceptive form like convinced them to try and go steal magic from the elves and so the the valar who are the gods of middle earth like sunk the island but we're going to get Numenor in this series and so it's going to be all sorts of fun like game of thronesy sort of stuff with Sauron corrupting people and everyone fighting back and forth it's going to be great i'm really excited and some really cool people are working on it so
2: It'll be good. I am going to infuriate everyone right now. Oh no! I hate Lord of the Rings. (gasps) Okay. Okay. My ex husband. It was his Christmas gift. That one I bought it for him, and I willfully sat through it, and I I, and it was it was fabulous because by the end he never asked me to watch a movie with him again because every time I'm just like, who are they? Wait, why? Where are they from? Why are they doing this? I don't understand. And then the but the real reason I I hated that movie is because I hated Frodo. Sam oh my God. was absolutely the man in that movie. And everyone was constantly having to save Frodo's life and it was driving me bat crap crazy. I'm like, at this point, can we just let him go? Can we just can we just oh, wow. let him let him go? He's he's no. I I was 100% team Sam. Sam was the man and I, I couldn't handle people's love of Frodo. It just, it was infuriating. I'm like, just, just take what you got to take. Let the spider get him. Like, it's good. Like this is the sixth time he's going to been saved. Like at some point you have to cut the dead weight and you move forward. Like this is life. It drove me insane. And so, like I said, he never again asked me to watch another movie with him because I was just,
3: I'm sure I am Oh my god! Oh, you get okay. along with my wife so well. She, she, she not. She doesn't think that about Lord of the Rings, but other movies. She's like, just kill this person. Just
0: they're not I'm being right. efficient. I think Hillary has fainted because she can't even respond right now.
1: I'm just I like, that, like, I don't
3: even know what to say to begin. <laughs> but like, this sort of ties into you know magical stuff. Like for me, I love Lord of the Rings, and I love those movies, and I love them because they're not just like. Magical, but they kind of have a deeper meaning to me about like yes. compassion and hope and holding on and you know anything I think can be there's a some spell good in or this a magical world. Act. and it's
0: worth fighting for which to The exactly. point was a was a quote by Sam and not by Frodo so yeah
3: that was like I kept repeating that during the election week to stem my anxiety like it was a spell or a prayer because like that made me feel connected and hopeful and so that's sort of where. Movie magic comes in. It's something that makes you feel connected to something bigger.
2: I mean, don't get me wrong. I will sit and stare at Aragon all day long because that was a beautiful piece of man if I've ever seen one. But besides that, besides that, I, I could, I could. I would willfully pretend I've never seen that movie. Yeah, Vigo it's Morgan, okay. I
0: think, was all of our our fantasy hero heartthrob oh until Jason Momoa came on the
3: screen. Then it was like,
0: Vigo, you got to sit down, buddy. We got. I we don't have know Jason now.
3: <laughs> I'm still. Some, I, some v- of us Vigo, are more into Cape Blanchett. So
1: yeah, I'm That's like true. I'm like Cape Blanch. I'm also like Vigo. I don't know that Jason Momoa stole that place for me.
0: Then you're wrong. Vigo's still pretty. Yeah.
1: They're they're all they're like there's a lot of hotness in that cast. Oh, it's so. Kate Blanchett is like hello.
2: <laughs> well, here's the here's the funny part. And if nothing tells you how dysfunctionally attached I am to Courtney and how <laughs> oh my how God. unhealthy. Our relationship is, as far as the fact we've been friends for so damn long that she's like an appendage I have. (laughs) We decided, was it two or three years ago, we got matching tattoos. We did. And we have them on the same ankle. And it's, it's the word above it is written in Elvish. (laughs) And for for friends. So, so, you know, she loves it. I willfully had it tattooed on my body. <laughs> so that just shows the, the extent of the, the dysfunction that is Courtney and I. The fact that even though I hate that movie with a fiery passion that consumes my soul, I have Elvish written on my ankle. <laughs> Elvish is really pretty, so it's funny. It is pretty. It
0: was, but what's funny is that she goes, yeah, we're going to get Melon tattooed on our ankle. I'm like, uh, Kanani, it's Melon and it's Elvish for French. She goes, whatever. So Melon's going to exactly. get tattooed
2: on that. <laughs> uh- <laughs> like, you can spin it however you want, sister, but I now have melon tattooed on my ankle.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm just offended that we haven't gotten tattoos, Courtney. Like, what the fuck? You know
2: what? I've been trying to think about what we're going to get. It's probably something
0: to do with a pig, but it'll happen.
1: I mean, it's like, what? It, yeah, it's going to be a pig, or like maybe you love me so much that you're going to get my face tattooed on your face so you can or look at like, get uh,
2: your faces tattooed. tattooed on each other's butt cheeks. I think that would be fantastic. Oh, that's. <laughs> that would be perfect.
0: The three of us should get screaming goat tattoos. Actually, Jessica, you get in it with us. Those four of us will get screaming goat tattoos.
3: Oh yeah. There's a lot of great tattoo artists around Portland that will definitely do that. Yeah, <laughs> Just yeah.
0: Screaming goat tattoos. It says DWL. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm a Capricorn. So I'm, you know, I'm already really basically a screaming goat whenever I'm trying to express my opinion. So that's fantastic.
0: That is the best description of a Capricorn I've ever heard. I'm basically already a screaming goat.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Just wish thing, more people would listen to me.
0: I know and all the Capricorns out there going, "Wait a... Well, yeah. Yeah, they're like, "Wait, how dare you say
3: it? but that's actually pretty <laughs> that's true, true." So, you know. Yeah. I keep all the every year all these like pop culture, you know, you get the, the signs as supervillains or Star Wars characters or whatever comes out. And it's like always like the Capricorn is like Voldemort. And I'm like, "Yeah. Yeah." <laughs> get shit done
0: <laughs> yeah they're like well i wouldn't have to scream if you guys would just listen to me and realize that i was right in the first place that's the capricorn exactly right.
3: exactly oh we could talk about harry potter but that's a whole other that's like, a whole oh, other yeah, that's a whole yeah. Other, I know. Well,
0: we were decorating our christmas tree yesterday and my and my husband and i were at universal studios um at the harry potter world with our with his family a couple of years ago before before the the transphobic monster came out of the skin of jk rowling and took over the internet and um he held up the christmas ornament i bought and he's like honey what are we going to do with this and i went you know what to me it symbolizes a really great vacation with your family so on the tree it goes and it's not jk rowling's face which would be different you know it says nine and three quarters you know it's the platform the the platform so it's like no it represents a time that we had that was really fun and then the rest of jk rowling can fuck off
3: yeah and like that's sort of you know I'm in fandom, or I came up into journalism through fandom. When you're a fan, you have to kind of sometimes gently take away the thing from the original author, be like, okay, well, you had this great idea, but you no longer have custody of these characters. The court has decided that you can't, you know, adequately care for them, so they're mine now. Um, We're going to write some fanfic. We're going to make them all gay. And you you know you can still get the royalties but they're ours i now. a
2: thousand percent Amazing. agree with that i think this is going to go the way kind of of like where a lot of people have a lot oh, yeah. of feelings about him but there's also this like deep deep love of all of his music and and all of that stuff so you just kind of oh, are right. like you know we're just going to take you out of this equation and we're going to enjoy and appreciate the music but you just don't get to be a part of this party with us anymore
0: well, yeah. and there's also a part when there's also a time in which the art leaves the artist and becomes its own thing. And you cannot, modern pop music, you cannot take Michael Jackson out of it because it has influenced and spun so much of the music that we now oh, listen 100%. to. And it's the same thing with J.K. Rowling. Her work has is now infused in so much of what we do. But I feel like if people are feeling conflicted, and I understand like not wanting to support the artist who was doing this. And there's ways around that. There are
1: Harry
0: Potter books out there. Now you can buy them secondhand. So you're supporting a secondhand bookstore, but that money isn't going to go to J.K. Rowling. Or you can check them out at the library, which supports this public institution, and the money doesn't go to J.K. Rowling. So you don't have to buy the merchandise.
3: I'll go even further back, and I think Hillary will appreciate this. I was a music major, an opera major, and I did my thesis on Richard Wagner, who is... (laughs) Fucking incredibly fashion. incredibly problematic so yeah he's problematic. incredibly problematic but but modern music as we know it especially movie music with the idea of just theme music itself wouldn't exist without this fucker this man he, and he so, was a monster like a fucking straight he, yeah, up monster his, but his music is so beautiful and so influential you just got to go well he's dead now I'm sure he got reincarnated as Veal a few hundred times, so.
1: (laughs) Yeah, those influences, even if you, and again, I'm like totally pro not putting any money in the hands of people that are like this. Like, I think that they don't deserve our money. But as Courtney said, I think there are other ways to support that. And I think, you know, with classical music, uh, you know, that's obviously way past a certain time period, if you are purchasing it, you're purchasing it. You're supporting an orchestra that recording. You're, suppo- you're su- or you're supporting the record label, depending on the label. Um, or if someone is, if it's someone's individual interpretation of that piece, again, you're supporting them. So it's like, but I agree. It's it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard one because I I'm I agree. Like I definitely would never go out and buy anything that I felt would go into J.K. Rowling's pocket. Like not ever. I'm like, okay, yeah. you know what? You can just like disintegrate away. No one gives a shit about you anymore because you are trash.
0: Or then you say something like you could publicly say, okay, for every transphobic tweet she makes, that is a dollar going towards um yes. going towards Trans Lifeline or these other organizations. Yes.
3: Trans we go
2: ahead, like going. We had and a-
3: that's why like fan fiction and fandom is so great because like you don't have to pay for fanfic. You can always you know buy their offer, author a coffee if you want. Yeah, but fanfic is so great because it is people just do it out of love. And yeah, no, no one's getting money for fanfic. And it's beautiful, and it's really gay, and there's a lot more porn than the original Harry Potter, and
2: it's great. I have an interesting question. So what what would you say are some of the more influential movies for witchcraft and pop culture, in your opinion?
3: Oh, I mean, I don't think you can discount the original craft. 100%. Like, Of course not. That was, you know, that defined. I mean, like, because of the craft, we kind of have charmed and we have buffy as as it was and it sort of defined witchcraft for a long time but then you actually kind of look at the craft which i love i've seen a thousand times and if you like dissect it from like you know a film criticism or a feminist point of view like the last third of the movie is really kind of disappointing because it falls into all these like oh the girls can't handle power and they're trying to kill each other tropes Right, and that's why i really appreciate the new version of the craft because they Specifically, you go and against that, and, like direct dialogue. I loved it. Yeah, and like, I, I love how it's about like the girls coming together to literally set the patriarchy on fire. um And yep. so I think you can't discount how influential the craft is, and Charmed. In terms of other movies, like I don't just think don't crap on Practical Magic because their- I love that movie. Oh, that's the other one. It's Practical Magic. It's just like every witch wants to live inside of Practical yes. Magic.
1: <laughs> I mean, yes, I want that house. Hands. I want to live in that exactly. house. Exactly. I want that house. Yes. I want the yard. I want to like, just like, if they could, if I could just like trade. You know what I
2: also do a liked about swathing. that movie? What I liked about that movie was that it depicts the difficulty that they live, that they have, right, as being treated as outcasts. And... And, but then when someone is in trouble, all of a sudden, all these other people show up to help and they kind of leave with like this, that was kind of fun. You know, like that wasn't so bad, you know, it, it, they, they developed a, a understanding. And then in the end, the, the community kind of thinks they're witches. That's kind of weird, but that's kind of fun. You know, it's, it, it bridges that gap. And I, I really like that.
3: And I think the practical magic is really important because it shows like witches whose magic is pretty close-ish to like real magical practice. It shows them as like the heroes of this like romance and the heroes of their town. And so seeing yourself as a hero is really important.
2: Yeah. You're not um, the villain by being the witch. Exactly.
3: Yeah. And, like usually from most, you know, really cool witches, like Winifred or Maleficent or the Wicked Witch like they're always gonna be they're usually the bad guy and so it's really important for us to see witches who are not the bad guy it's awesome
2: (laughs) so if you don't mind we wanted to loop you in to help answer a listener question the question is I've been researching the role of childless women in ancient cultures to find some inspiration or understanding of that situation, however one gets there. All I find is from a very patriarchal perspective of a man could divorce his wife for being childless and poems about the woman and woe is upon her for this state. I'm wondering if there is any advice on where to look particular deities to work with or sources that I can look into to get a less patriarchal viewpoint?
3: So this is such an interesting question because I'm, I want to be like specific with the question because is she looking at some, looking for goddesses who struggle with fertility and are like not fertility goddesses, not mother goddesses, or is she looking
2: for goddesses or characters that are not defined by their? Yes, she's looking for childless, like, independent, childless women who were fine to have yeah.
3: been. I mean, there are so many beautiful, like virgin, quote unquote, goddesses in the Greek pantheon yeah. slash Roman, like Athena or Artemis or Hestia. Like they were all these. I say, quote unquote, virgins because to me, they're all lesbians, but especially <laughs> Artemis. <laughs> I think so too. I think so too. Um, and I definitely think the queer community has adopted Artemis specifically as a patron deity. And so you look at Athena or Artemis, and they are all about their minds and their, their warriors too. They're so cool. And I, I mean, Athena is a very, she's one of my personal deities I work most with. And she doesn't value anyone for what they can produce or where they come from. All that matters is the power of their mind and their creativity and their wits. And I think that's just as beautiful form of creation as having a child.
0: It's such a difficult question. And I think it's important to remember that in ancient times, um, you know, fertility was not just about a a role or a designated, you know, gender assignment. It was really about survival. Um, And and so, and even, um, and people get very upset with me when I say, even what we would consider goddess centered cultures, if we actually looked at their culture, they are more patriarchal just because somebody had a culture, had goddesses in their religion does not make them automatically matriarchal or equal. Goddess worship does not equal anti-patriarchy sorry and people get angry and i could that's a whole other topic for another day what i encourage people when they have this question is to say i think it's time that we start creating some more of that um there's a really wonderful book called a jailbreaking the goddess which talks about a lot of different roles of the feminine divine that are outside of bearing or raising children Um, because if we look to ancient cultures it was the, the the role of, of goddesses or, or people who didn't have kids, they often ended up raising kids anyway because a lot of people died in childbirth. And so you you die in childbirth, you've got three kids, your sister is going to step in and raise them. You know, that's the kind where the oldest child ends up becoming a surrogate mother for their younger siblings. That's just the way the world was because they didn't, um, people didn't live as long.
2: And I think that's true because, you know, your grandfather was 35, yeah. You know? And that was right. a very old man. So, so the idea of not having children wasn't, I think at that point ever really considered to be optional because it's like, you needed, you know, you can't afford to have someone help you form, farm. You know, this is how you get people working the farm. You, you, you make more workers. Like it was, it was, more of a a need, like Courtney said, for survival, as opposed to, I have this motherly instinct. I want to have, you know, children. It was like, no, I have posing to this. To an Instagram photo walk. while
0: I'm pregnant and looking like yeah. the mother goddess. Oh, if you, if you are the sister, the spinster sister who never had children, you're going to end up raising somebody like your nieces or nephews or your cousin's yes, kids or 100%. something. Not, someone, yeah. Someone's going to die and you're going to have to take care of their kids or you take care of the elderly people. You just, that's just the way people worked.
1: Yeah. For, for me, I mean, if this were me, I don't have children. I'm, I'm not planning on having children and I work with all types of, all types of different deities and I have before. So I think that rather than focusing on, you know, a deity that you could find that would work for you that has this one specific factor I don't. I don't. Don't let that impede you from connecting with a deity, because I think that that is. I I, I can understand the weight that has in in an individual's life that would that obviously it affects it significantly, but I, I don't think it would affect the connection or support that you could have with a deity that you feel drawn to. Um. So so for me, you know, when I look at deities that that I am drawn to, that I you know that i am drawn to or want to do work with you know the fact that i don't have children doesn't uh, do, you know that doesn't change my connection with them
3: yeah and i would also like put a shout out here for persephone and yes. kanani because yes. persephone. persephone is a wife and she's also a goddess of spring and fertility but she doesn't have children cuz she's married to the she lives in the underworld, not a great place to raise kids. (laughs) Not the best. (laughs) And so, but she is still defined as like a fertility, um, a personification of spring, but also a personification of death. And she's, I think the, the Chthonic gods in general are maybe better to work with in that way because they are not part of the Olympian family. Yeah. 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 Soprano dynamic. (laughs) and so i would definitely say look into persephone you can even look into some other like warrior or magical goddesses like i don't think hecate has any kids and she does
0: in a couple of myths um and then in some other ones she's called so yeah. Hecate's myths are a lot more complicated so yeah. sometimes you see her as a mother sometimes you don't um same thing in the celtic um or the or i should say more specifically the irish like the morgan um, yeah, yeah. The Morgan in some stories has a son, but you don't see her giving birth or raising children. And in another story, in one story, um Bridget has a son who ends up dying. And it's like totally totally traumatic and stuff like that. So there's a lot of it's just it's complicated with, with these deities. Um, but I think it's I think Jessica, your point is right, like looking towards the ones that are today called the virgin goddesses, maybe a place to go. Um, but also, also like you said, focusing on their roles as opposed to do they give birth or not?
1: It's that's a factor, you know, like the role of a caretaker or the role of someone that cares, or raises, or is not only determined by whether that person gave birth. So it's like, I I, I agree with that completely. Finding you know finding connection to. Um, yeah, people that were also caretakers. I think Persephone is actually a really great suggestion, actually, Jessica. I think it's a great suggestion.
3: And if you're looking for some pop culture about Persephone, there's an amazing webcomic called Lore Olympus that's on the Webtoons app. And it's this beautiful version of the Hades and Persephone story. It's sort of the Olympian gods are sort of in this... Olympus is like a modern world. And so they're like texting and having computers and... Hades and persephone are having cute chats on their cell phones and it's this wonderful exploration of the gods uh in a web comic format so i can't recommend it highly enough it's called lore olympus that sounds fabulous yeah and it's really cool you can read it on your phone and it's so much easier to read comics on your phone than in like a comic comic
2: and what was what's the app called
3: it's called webtoon you can just download it for free That sounds that sounds super fun.
2: So, Jessica, um, actually, how can people find you?
3: So, um, I'm on Twitter. I'm at Fangirling Jess. You can follow me there, or you could follow for the Twitter for my podcast where we talk about goddesses and magic and witchcraft and pop culture. That's called Real Magic with R E E L. See, it's a pun because like movie reels. So that's at, at Real Magic Pod. Um, And you can, we've got about seven episodes up now. I just had an interview with Ruth Connell from Supernatural who plays Rowena on there. She's awesome. And I'm going to have every one of you guys on there eventually to talk about your favorite movies. Yay! Yes, please. Uh, And so you can also find my writing on the Mary Sue. Just look for Jessica Mason on there. I write a lot every day about all sorts of things. I've got about four new movies to review next week. So that's going to be, fun. That's awesome. And yeah, I've got, you know, I've got stuff up there about like paganism and frozen two and all my favorite things like that. So I try and get as much paganism snuck in there as much as I can.
2: I was a big fan of frozen two, by the way, I was very much watching it. Like, wow, how, how did they get away with making this movie? Like it's a hundred percent a pagan movie. It is. And
3: like the, you know, show yourself, which is my, one of my favorite just movie sequences of all time now where she kind of goes on this, like, journey into the underworld to find, you know, her power. And when she finds out the power is in herself, like, that's like the charge of the goddess made into a Disney movie.
2: Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it was, it was phenomenal. I was, I was giddy after watching that.
3: I was just like, oh my gosh. And if you have Disney Plus, I can't recommend enough this um, into the Unknown, which is like a six part docu, docu- series about the making of Frozen Two. Ooh. and it will make you cry about it in all sorts of different ways because just seeing what went into that movie and what went into show yourself specifically because they almost like cut that song. It took them the longest to figure out that song. And so seeing how that comes together is just so cool. And so I really recommend that on Disney Plus if you
2: got it. That is very cool. Well, we want to thank everybody so much uh, for listening. And if you want to support the show, the best way is to subscribe and spread the word about us. Please also consider leaving us a rating and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can also buy us a coffee or check out our merch on our Etsy store. For bonus content, you can become a supporter on Patreon. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For show notes, audio transcript, or to ask us a question to answer on a future episode, you can go to thatwitchlife.com. Until then, keep moting that shit, and we'll talk to you all next week. Bye! Bye. Find us at thatwitchlife.com
1: for archived episodes or to ask your burning questions for us to answer in a future
2: podcast. So, vote it be! Well... We wanted to welcome today a very special jest. Yeah. <laughs> a special jest. Oh, my a God. Gest. I don't know uh, what is going on today. I'm usually, like, great, and today I can't read for shit. Oh, yeah, today. Today you can't right. read for shit. It's okay. the only
1: time ever. This has never it's happened never said, before. It's
2: never happened before, Not, ever. It's never happened before this many times in a day. That's that's true. Okay. So, well, I think it's because I'm I'm fully down the mimosa at this point. So
0: Oh, okay. Jesus.